Robot umpires. It's the future, and it's not far away. It's a sports pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Robot umpires are coming to baseball. Electronic strike zones. The future is here. We're going to see it firsthand in the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball this season. I'm joined by somebody who's going to see it firsthand. Joining me on the ESPN-UP phone line is Andrew Banstra, Director of Media Relations and Broadcast for the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. What's up, Andrew? Thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, it's always a pleasure to uh, do anything with you, Tanner. We have a long history, and I always appreciate you having me on. Well, it's a good deal to have because you're going to get to see the electronic umpire for yourself firsthand because Major League Baseball has struck a deal with the Atlantic League to use electronic umpires because Major League Baseball is looking at adopting the practice itself. Can you give us any context? What are you hearing around the office, how the league is embracing what's really a game changer? From what I understand, the MLB has an idea of fostering more offense. Both you and I know. You and I love the game of baseball, but the average fan could lose interest with a game that has become more pitcher dominant. There's more strikeouts than ever, lower batting average than ever. I think it was 248 was the average batting average this past season. The goal is to put the ball in play more. So fans are going to get more excited about the ball being put in play. Home runs obviously are exciting, but that home runs, um, walks, anything from strikeouts, to what have you, is something that the MLB wants to get rid of more in the coming years. So they think that that are going to foster more offense and thus more excitement. And I think, you know, I, I, I think it's a good change. I think that it's a good testing ground for the MLB because, you know, you, you have a non-affiliate, so you don't have to worry about the umpire's union where you would in an affiliated system. And I think that you have a high level of competition where you can kind of just test out and see. And I think that on the flip side of things, it really benefits us in the Atlantic League a lot because the goal of anybody in the Atlantic League is basically the opposite of any other organization in America, sports or non-sports. In the Atlantic League, we like to see people not work for us anymore because the whole goal of the Atlantic League is to get players back into affiliated ball, back into what their ultimate goal is, is to hopefully get back to the major leagues. So we like to see that. And with this agreement, what we get out of it is not only players that are accustomed to these potential rule changes that we could see in the MLB, but through this, the system that is going to call the balls and strikes, an electronic system, as you mentioned, it's done through what's called TrackMan, gives you everything from launch angle to the distance the ball is hit to the spin rate. And from what we hear, the MLB scouts that have been here in the past, coaches would have a connection with an MLB scout. They'd come out, hey, we have this guy, player X. He's pitching really well. Come watch him. Well, now with the track man, every single game is going to be recorded after every single game, all of the stats that are received from TrackMan are the same stats that the MLB scouts use. So MLB scouts don't necessarily care about ERA wins, losses. They care more about what's this guy's spin rate, what's his 
velocity at the release point, and so on and so on. So all of those stats are going to be sent to all 30 major league teams after every single game. And if somebody is being scouted, rather than just, and no offense to any coach, but rather than just trusting a coach from, let's say, the Blue Crabs, this major league team is going to say, okay, well, here's all this video. Here's this guy's spin rate. Here's this guy's launch angle and so on and so on. So it really benefits us as a league. And hopefully it's going to benefit the major leagues as well if, if these rule changes are implemented. So that's really interesting what you just brought up to recap. It's not only going to call balls and strikes, this new electronic strike zone, but it's going to measure the spin rate, the velocity of a pitch and what have you, and all of that data can be fed to the major leagues in hopes of maybe getting the players in the Atlantic League back on track to major league baseball. So that's fascinating to me is it's not only about getting as many calls correct as possible, but it's about getting these players onto the next level or back to the major leagues. So how this is going to work is there will still be a human umpire behind the plate. He will hear the result of a pitch, whether it's a ball or a strike, via an earpiece. Is he back there basically to kind of control the flow of the game? And if there's a play at the plate, would that be his only action? Basically, he's doing all the duties that a home plate umpire would do. You're right, outside of calling the balls and strikes. For example, if there's a foul ball hit behind the catcher, he's still going to call that. He's still calling plays at the plate. He's essentially doing everything that he would do if it wasn't for the balls and the strikes. Well, I tell you what, that won't be the only change the Atlantic League sees this summer. Starting on July the 12th for the second half of the Atlantic League season, the pitcher's mound will be moved back two feet, and the bases are going to be extended by three inches. Why is Major League Baseball looking into doing this? As far as the mound goes, that really feeds into what, what I was talking about in terms of fostering more offense. Moving the pitching mound back is one of the goals in terms of getting more balls into play because the ball is going to come in a little bit slower. You have a little bit more reaction time. So hopefully more balls are put into play on the flip side. If the velocity is a little slower, you're not going to see as many home runs. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of speculation can be made about this, but there is also a lot of benefits for pitchers, especially guys in the Atlantic league. Let's say that these rules are implemented and there's a guy in the Atlantic League that just dominates from 62 feet and 6 inches, likely he's going to be one of the first calls that is going to be made if player X is really dominating from this distance. That would be one thing. Another thing, uh, Kyle Bodies, who made driveline baseball, which is a extremely analytical-based, essentially baseball breeding grounds that college or professional players can go to in the summer to learn learn from. He says that the mound moving back, he believes, will be worse for hitters, and he believes that this is because the velocity and reaction time aren't going to change that much with 62 feet 6 inches. If you think about it, the pitcher's throwing through the catcher. They're not throwing to the catcher. So the velocity is not going to be all that different, but what is going to be different is the movement on pitches. As you could imagine, when a ball has more distance in between its target, it's going to have a lot more movement. You're looking at two to three inches maybe on a curveball. So that could really help pitchers in that facet, and it's also going to help pitchers considering the fact that – 
having a more consistent strike zone is likely going to help them. Now, one note I will make on the strike zone aspect of it is one question that could come up is, well, what happens if the system malfunctions? Because that is a little part of it from what I've read is that the MLB isn't certain that this, while it is uh, very advanced, if this technology is advanced enough to trust at the MLB level. So that's one of the things they're testing out. Let's say a ball skids in the dirt in front of home plate and doesn't even come close to hitting the strike zone, but the umpire is told through his earpiece, hey, that's a strike. In that situation, he can overrule that. Um, and in terms of the bases, my, from what I have heard, that is to help player safety. Baseball is a game of inches. There's no question about it. And increasing the bases three inches in, in every direction is going to help. And thus, less, less bang-bang plays ideally, and then less, you know, ankles being stepped on, collisions at first, and what have you. Talk with Andrew Banstra, the play-by-play voice of the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs of the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball. He will see the electronic strike zone, electronic umpires being used for the first time. Tell me about how it came to be, Andrew, that the Atlantic League was selected for this, and how Atlantic League members are feeling about it. I think the Atlantic League was chosen because, you know, this is something that the MLB, not rule changes like this. The rule changes like this haven't been implemented at the Arizona Fall League level, but there have been subtle rule changes. And I think that for the MLB to really test and see, is this something that we want to do, that they're going to have to do it at a level that isn't going to impact them in the short term. So, if, for example, in double and triple A, you went to a track man balls and strike system and moved the rubber back, well, then if somebody gets called up to two days later, they're going to be throwing from a different distance. Whereas in the Atlantic League, which is self-proclaimed as, as we as we see it, a double A or triple A level atmosphere, it's still a high level of competition. We would like to say and. I believe that it is the highest level of independent baseball. So it's a high level of competition and somewhere where MLB can look and see, is this something that is benefiting the Atlantic League? Is moving the mound back, putting more balls in play? And they're going to have all the statistics to back that up. Are more accurate strikes being called? Um, And so on and so on. So I think that that's a little bit of the process. Additionally, we've had not even close to this type of relationship with MLB in the past, but in the past um, we have had a partnership with the MLB in terms of signing players. If we have a player they want, that we have a deal that they are allowed to do that. And with this deal, um, the transfer fees are going to be a little higher, so that benefits us as well. So I think that we uh, are extremely excited. Obviously there's going to be, Some player pushback, we understand that, but from our perspective, the strike zone is as accurate as it could possibly be. You know, an umpire can't walk up and kick the track man system and say, why aren't you calling balls and strikes correctly? We're extremely excited to have these changes and hopefully could be the future of the game of baseball. Now, the the track man system is going to be posted uh, in center field, interestingly enough. So it's going to be taking the strike zone from there. And my guess is that it's going to read per each batter. Now, something else that's interesting about the electronic strike zone is 
because it's a set strike zone, you and I have watched the MLB games of time, and you see the K zone on TV. So it's going from the shoulders to the knees. A pitch that hits the shoulders or a slider on the outdoor corner that just barely sneaks back in the outside low portion of the strike zone isn't a pitch that's typically called a strike. But if, by definition, it does hit the strike zone, that's going to benefit pitchers in that facet as well. So I think that there's a lot of negative feedback going on out there about, well, this is going to hurt pitchers. Baseball is a game that doesn't want to change. So if we are able to kind of break ground in the Atlantic League and see what some of these changes could be, then hopefully that will benefit not only the Atlantic League but the future of baseball. Andrew Banstra is the Director of Media Relations and Broadcast for the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. Join us on the ESPN-UP phone line. Andrew, always great talking to you, my man. Looking forward to seeing how this all plays out and following your career out in the DMV. And I'm looking forward to following yours as well, and hopefully we can continue to work together, Tanner. I really appreciate you having me on. Let's take a time out when we come back. Jake Durant from Local 3 TV and Marquette will join me. You're listening to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen. Tanner Hoops with you on ESPN-UP, joined by Jake Durant from Local 3 TV. How's it going, my man? It's good, man. It's warm outside, although a bit cloudy. How can you be, how can you, be you know, sad today? It feels nice. I had forgotten what 40-plus degree temperatures felt like. The only downside is everywhere you go, you're standing in a puddle now because all this it melting snow makes the world a swimming pool. It is flooding, but I do not want to start complaining at all. I mean, the snow's got to go at some point. Um, and, you know, if you've lived in the UP long enough, you, you understand that there's still probably going to be another big snowstorm happening mm-hmm. sometime in the spring. There, It never fails. No. Um, so let's get rid of as much snow as you can get through this last little uh, spring snowstorm and then hopefully we can get a little bit of a little bit of summer at least a couple months we know it's coming it's coming the only question is when yep but you're right about that snowstorm there's always one where they fool you into thinking that it's over right and then it comes back sometimes there's two mm-hmm. but i'm not mentally prepared for it i never no. am no nope. Uh, before we start talking the turkey with Jake, let's update our movie brackets. Yesterday we had the quarterfinal round in basketball and hockey. Coach Carter is moving on. They beat Slapshot 68% to 32. Space Jam 72% t- to uh, 28. They take down Hoosiers. Mighty Ducks 95-5 to 5 over Hoop Greens. Mighty Ducks, big winners. And then Miracle 80-20% to 20% wins over like Mike. So we have the semifinal round set in the basketball and hockey bracket. It will be Miracle against Mighty Ducks and Space Jam against Coach Carter in the semifinal round. Mm. Pretty good ones. Those are good ones. And and just off those those winners, I can kind of tell the demographics who are voting, um, <laughs> pr- probably around my age. I think those are all really good movies. Those are all the ones that I, I wanted to see, see move on. Coach Carter, ooh, Space Jam, that's a tough mm. one. Space Jam is just like the ultimate classic, though. I know. You know, but Coach Carter is such a good movie. It is. I mean, you could watch that movie over and over, and it still kind of gets the feels going. Um, you know, great movie. You know, another just another classic. And it looks like Mighty Ducks. It looks like there's a lot of momentum in, in 
for good reason. Um, you know, Mighty Ducks is is moving on. So um, if I had to guess, I'm going to go Mighty Ducks Space Jam in the finals. Yeah, how about that other semifinal, Mighty Ducks against Miracle? The hockey fans here won't know what to do, but the convincingness of Mighty Ducks win over Hoop Dreams might give them the edge. Tell you what, though, this is what you're voting on today. The baseball quarterfinals. These are the four matchups you can vote for on Twitter right now. Polls are open until midnight. Rookie of the Year against Moneyball. So Rookie of the Year, Moneyball. Bull Durham against Field of Dreams. Again, I don't want to put any bias on the audience, but you have a bad, more romantic movie than a baseball movie with Susan Sarandon or a movie about baseball in Iowa. Not being biased. Yeah, no, I know which one you want. Angels in the outfield against bench warmers could be a fun one. How about this one? 42 against the Sandlot. That might be a tough one. That's, that might be a tough one, yeah. Who could vote for those on Twitter today? Uh, once again, those will be open until midnight as we continue to find out the greatest movie of all time. We have got Turkey to talk, however, with Jake Durant, kind enough to give us some time. And we take a look at the New York Giants. I know you and I both follow them. I don't know if I'd call myself a fan totally. I kind of, you know, I liked a few of the players they had in the day. They only have one left from Mm -hmm. that old guard. Uh, so I don't know where, where I stand on them. And I don't know, they know what they're doing right now. You know, they... They're rebuilding. I want to trust that there's a purpose in mind. I'm just not sure what that purpose is right. because the whole landscape of what they've wanted to do for the last how long is being changed right now. Like when was the last time the Giants' best player was their running back? They've always seemed to be a pass-heavy team, and you try to think of a good Giants running back from the past few decades. Tiki, maybe? Tiki is probably it. Yeah. And Ahmad Bradshaw is the number two. I mean, that's not a run-first mm. culture they have over there. No, it's not. And and I'm with you, man. It's hard to kind of see the direction that the team's going to go. Um, obviously, with that, that shocking trade, everyone, you know, there was rumblings about it, but it was kind of just like, you know, that's never, they would never do that. I didn't especially, think they would. Especially just signing him to uh, Odell to a, a big contract. Um, but like you said, man, just a few years ago, you kind of had the feeling that they were going to go all in. Mm-hmm. Um, they had all those big signings, um, you know, Olivier Vernier, Snacks Harrison, Janoris Jenkins. Um, all signs were pointing that they were going to go all in and they were going to try to make a run. I even think a few years ago I had the Giants going to the Super Bowl. And, and it after turned, they signed Brandon after, Marshall, yeah, a lot after of people all did. That, and I was, I was under the impression that they had a really good roster, like it was going to work out. But, um, you know, fast forward a couple years later, and, and, and what a change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, you know, I was shocked about that Odell trade just like everyone else. And, and I was just, you know, floored by, by what happened to this team just in those few years because, like you said, I kind of followed the team as well. Started thinking about it. You know, they got a first-round pick back, 17th overall. Once my emotions kind of kind of calmed down, a third-round pick, and they got they got Jabril, Pe- Jabril Peppers, yep. and um, that's a good pickup for them. Very. I mean, um, when you start really start thinking about it, uh, prior to that, they traded with the Browns, uh, uh, Vernier for Zeitler, um, a nice little offensive lineman. Really so, good pick. You know, that's a hole they filled. And then, obviously, losing Landon Collins, I think well, when you saw how much he got paid, I think that was a good move for the Giants. I don't know if you want to pay that much to Landon Collins. I think the Redskins in a few years are going to be um, kind of wishing they didn't pay him so much. Um, so they got Jabril Preppers, who was coming on late with the Browns. I think he's going to be a really good player for, for the Giants. Obviously, he's, he's heading back towards where he kind of grew up a little bit, and he's getting out of the state of Ohio, which is really good for him being from Michigan. That just never really felt right to no. me. You know, When he got drafted by the Browns, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like This is not, this is not right. There was, the energy wasn't right there, but he's coming on. He, um, 
Um, at Michigan, he was a really good player, could do it all, explosive. Um, you know, he, he didn't really produce a lot of interceptions, but, you know, he made plays. He was a playmaker. He could do, do it all. Um, so I think that's a good pickup. So now when I start thinking about it, filled a couple holes, um, the big question now is what are you going to do with the quarterback? Yep. Um, and, you know, my thought process is I don't think Kyler Murray is getting away from Arizona. I don't even think if you package those first-round picks to move up to number one, I don't think Arizona is going to do it. I think he's a lock to go to Arizona. Mm-hmm. So now you're sitting there at six with Dwayne Haskins, guy from Ohio State. I'm He's an Ohio State guy. I'm not really a favorite of the guy. He, he seems to have the part. He's, he's a pro- prototypical quarterback, very tall, um, big body, can throw the rock, um, you know, a pocket passer, has it all. I'm starting to think, like, they might try to move up, mm-hmm. but is it worth it? You know, I'm under the pressure. You might want to just tank another year, um, you know, not get a guy, roll with Eli one more year, you know, fill some more holes, get some, some – uh, a couple difference makers, and then that that crop coming in next year, that quarterback class. I think that's when you kind of, you know, maybe make some moves and get your franchise guy. Um, that way, you you know, you, I think the crop's a little bit better. I think you can get better than Dwayne Haskins next season, whether it be Tua or, or whoever. Um, and then you'll have you know some young guys coming up. You can get a nice receiver to fill that hole that OBJ left this year and things like that, and just kind of roll with Saquon uh, one more year. You know, Josh Rosen's going to be there. There's been rumblings that uh, New York might be interested in him, trading him. You know, that could be a move, but I don't know if I, you know, Dwayne Haskins or Josh Rosen. I think I'd rather have Dwayne Haskins. I would do. So if you're going to take that route, you might as well just draft Dwayne Haskins because, you know, I don't really know what Josh Rosen is. You know, he's a decent guy, quarterback. I saw him live play. He played pretty well, looked the, looked the part, played well. Um, so I think right now it's, it's focused on getting that quarterback and then moving from there. Um, you know, the trade, it was a shocking trade. But realistically, when I think about it, I think it was good for both sides. I think OBJ needed an, a new a new uh, start. And it, it was just how the Giants kind of took did it. They signed him to a long-year deal. Was, you know, Dave Gettleman was out saying we're not, we didn't sign him to trade him. And then he went up back on his word. I think just mm-hmm. the way they did it was really odd. Um, but overall, I think the trade's going to benefit both sides. I hate to say it. You know, you like OBJ. He's a flashy guy, one of the best receivers in the league. But they're years away from playing for a Super Bowl, and who knows if they kept him. And then two years down the line, you might he might be worse. You know, he might be causing more drama because now he's entering you know his later twenties and you know hasn't hasn't really been playing in playoff contention. He they they went to the playoffs one year and five years with the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't that big of a difference maker. He was a flashy guy. You could count on him to make big plays and, and bring, you know, attention to the team. But overall, I mean, productivity-wise and, and team productivity-wise, you weren't really doing much. It was a disaster when, went to, when they went to the playoffs. Went to Green Bay and got just destroyed. And they were down in Miami on a boat days before. You know, so his question, you know, he was immature coming into the Giants. You know, and, and I think it was more of a headache than, than, you know, someone that was helping the team. So I think cutting bait now rather than uh, waiting down the line was a good move for the Giants. It's, it, it's hard to say that, but I think it's true. It was like five really good home run takes he had right there that I wanted to touch on. And your most recent one was their most recent trip to the postseason where Eli Manning played really well in that game. You couldn't pin that loss on him. That one you could pin on OBJ and the wide receivers, and people forget that. But they're, what, 8-25 and 25 since that weekend, since that picture was taken and what have you. You can't pin that loss on Eli Manning, and that mm-hmm. was really the best that he's looked, unfortunately, in the last three seasons. I mean, OJ, o, remember, OBJ had drops, yeah, clear drops, especially one in the end zone. Mm-hmm. You know, So, I mean, the ball was getting to him. It was just they weren't making plays. Kevin Zeitler was a fantastic pickup. He had a 
pressure pickup rate of about 92% that uh, last year, and that was the best among all guards in the NFL last year. And the offensive line is a place where the Giants desperately need to get better. So I do like that pickup. Your optimism about this trade next season, well, the future, maybe not next season if they need to tank, but makes me feel a lot better about this, you know. Maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And then you talk about Dwayne Haskins. Keep in mind, he wasn't the guy they originally wanted. All signs pointed to Justin Herbert. And then when he said he was going back to Oregon this fall, then everyone keyed in on Dwayne Haskins. Mm -hmm. So uh, have we all fooled ourselves into believing there's only one right narrative in the sense that this is it for Eli. He's a lame duck quarterback. You need to get somebody now. And we've all fooled ourselves, all picked up this mindset, groupthink, that Dwayne Haskins is the answer, that he's going to translate to the NFL, and that if they don't pick him up at number six overall, then Gettleman needs to be fired, that we're all going to call for his head. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we've all gone into that mindset. I don't know if that's right or not, but I really don't think they're going to draft him at number six anymore. I think they're going to go with a lineman, whether it's on the offensive or defensive mm -hmm. side. They need help on both sides of those, and uh, if they're going to be a ground-and-pound team, they definitely need to upgrade at the line. So I'm not saying I think that they're going to take a lineman at number six. I just wouldn't be surprised by it anymore. Right. And, you know, I do think people are kind of jumping to conclusions saying they have to get a quarterback this year, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I'm, I'm with you. The more and more I think about it, I think the, the, the right play here would just to be, you know, get – Fill those holes, man. There's a lot of difference makers on defense. You've won championships with with a good defense. You know, get get a good edge rusher or something like that. You know, maybe get a receiver with that 17th overall pick. You know, there's some guys in there that I'm not saying they're OBJ, but they can be productive. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, I think for with Giants fans, they were so attached to Odell Beckham. He was the Giants for his time when he since he got drafted. Um, they don't see. After OB, OBJ, they you know I think people are just really emotional, which it, it's it's you know well deserved. I mean mm -hmm. he he you know he's was a good player for the Giants for so many years. But um, the more and more I think about it, man, I think the Giants it, it's kind of like in the NBA tank again. You know, go through one more year. I know it's going to be terrible. You don't want to do that, but um, I think you can get your your franchise guy, and then you'll be you'll be set. You know, you'll have a couple more weapons, et cetera, et cetera, maybe a little bit more money to play with in free agency, and then get your guy next season because there's some difference makers coming out, mm -hmm. and then and then go from there and then start this rebuild. I think I think that's the way to go. Um, I do think the Giants are an, in a better position than a lot of people are giving them credit for, in, in my eyes. Um, I just think people can't see it because they're so blinded by this OBJ trade. I tell you what, my biggest takeaway, maybe my biggest concern from this, is I've got a really nice stitched white Odell Beckham Giants jersey. What do I do with that now? I'm not going to burn it, but if anyone has suggestions, tweet the show at ESPN-UP. I don't know what to do with it anymore. It's not like I can get anything for it. You know, everything's getting discounted, but I don't have anything against OBJ. I wouldn't want to burn the jersey. You know, obviously he had his antics that caused a little toxic environment in the locker room, what have you. I don't think he's a bad guy by any stretch. I think that he is a competitor, he wants to win almost to a fault at some points, and that's kind of where the outburst came from. And I don't have anything against OBJ. I hope he does well over in Cleveland. Maybe I'll join the Cleveland bandwagon for a little bit. Maybe. You know, I mean, I'm going to be rooting for Cleveland. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, they're going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, they're going to be a, a fun team to watch. I mean, Jarvis and OBJ, you know, childhood friends or, you know, 
friends in college played together very productive i'm a huge baker mayfield fan like the way you know i always say if i was to have a team if i was a gm those are the type of players i want i want emotional guys i want guys that want to win i want guys that you know you're comfortable going into battle with every every week and um you know i just think john dorsey over there in cleveland i mean cleveland was a laughing stock everyone mm-hmm. who followed the nfl knows and just how quickly, you know, how aggressive he's been. I mean, he's been so aggressive signing guys, trading for guys, um, been nailing the draft. Denzel Ward, don't forget about him yeah. with that fourth pick. He was getting a lot of slack bringing in Denzel Ward with that fourth pick. After questionable uh, draft with Baker at number one, you know, people said he blew it again. They blew it again. No, he nailed it. Um, all pro Denzel Ward. So, I mean, they're making the right moves. I'm excited to see Cleveland. Um, I'm, I'm it's it's just so terrible. I'm not a fan of Ohio. I'm a huge Michigan Wolverines fan. I don't like I don't like Ohio State. Never been to Ohio, so I guess I I've, I can't really say much. I don't really know the state, but just being a Michigan fan, being from Michigan, I just I just don't want to see Cleveland win a Super Bowl. Please, I please, almost, no. almost wore a Browns jersey in the studio today. Would it kind of been fun to see? Uh, your reaction to it if they start winning and they play to expectations I might wear it more only problem is it's Johnny Manziel so I don't I don't know I've actually got three Cleveland Brown jerseys wow if you can believe that I'm not even a fan two of them are Johnny Manziel it's kind you, of oh, you, oh, you, you were jump you jumped on that bandwagon early I like early, Johnny I Manziel I like Johnny Manziel too and and you know a lot of people want to compare him to Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. and you know similar 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 style of play um, Johnny Manziel to me just football wasn't a focus to him. No. Um, you know, psychologically, I don't think he was really there. Um, he got caught up in everything that came along with being an NFL quarterback. I think Baker's a little bit more grounded. Um, he's he's a little bit more mature, and I just think he's more of a competitor. And uh, you know, it took it took him a lot of swings, but they finally hit it. And um, you know, if I if Baker Mayfield was my quarterback for my team, if he was on Green Bay, I mean, I would be super stoked. I think he's going to be a, he's going to be one of those great great quarterbacks for years to come. It's amazing to see the contrast between those two. I love Johnny in college. I didn't really care for him once he got to the NFL. I'm hoping he does something. I still want to like him. I hated Baker in college, and I like him a lot more now that he's in the NFL. By the way, that third Browns jersey I had, Brady Quinn. I had to go oh, back wow. to 2008 because wow. Brady Quinn is my favorite college football player right. of all time. Oh, I can see that the Notre Dame connection mm-hmm. there. That I, that makes sense. I was kind of thrown out by the Johnny Manziel stuff, but um, I mean, to be honest with you, I would be tempted to buy an OBJ jersey. Yeah. I don't really wear football jerseys that much. Mm-hmm. I have some Packers uh, Packers jersey. Speaking of, you know, what to do with your OBJ jersey? I have a Haha Clinton Dix jersey that <laughs> that's just hanging on my wall. I don't really know what to do with it. It's it's an autographed one, so it's a little different. I can at least keep it. I was hoping maybe you know Green Bay would bring him back uh, this season, but it looks like all signs are pointing to him signing to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So now I really don't know what to do. Um, with it but you know I'm just gonna keep it anyways we really have to go to a break but out of all the players you could have got a jersey from why haha Clinton Dix man I don't know I, I jumped onto the bandwagon when he when he got drafted you know mm-hmm. he was one of those Alabama guys I thought he was you know he's a playmaker um, I'm, I'm really I, I really enjoyed the defensive side of the ball um, I, when I played in high school I didn't I didn't I wasn't good enough to play in college but I was a safety uh, corner mm-hmm. so you know those are the types of positions I like I like teams with really good you know all pros at the position and I thought I thought haha was going to be one of those next greats he was really good when first couple years mm-hmm. so it looked like a, a good win and it was a gift as well but he he was my favorite packer you know i kind of felt the same that giants fans must be feeling right now when haha left green bay um but but i mean he's still he's still a solid player jake durant from local three tv in the studio with us 
OBJ wasn't the only one on the move. We recap free agency and the frenzy that it's been next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Here is your Sports Center update. The Kansas City Chiefs have released five-time Pro Bowl safety Eric Berry. Starting this season, the winner of the MLB Home Run Derby will receive a $1 million cash prize. Good move by the MLB as players were starting to opt out of participating in the Derby. And finally, we don't even have to leave the UP for and finally today. A drunk driver was just up the road in Houghton County, lost control of his vehicle on Tuesday night, and he crashed into a snowbank. He was apparently upset at the snowbank for its inconvenient existence, so he shot the snowbank with a handgun. He was arrested shortly afterwards, spent the night in county jail. Additional charges may be filed. Hmm. That's, uh, that's, sounds, that's something that's, else. That's something you don't hear of every day. That's not smart. That's not a normal I'd thing for the UP. For the viewers, don't, don't do something like that. <laughs> Don't shoot the snowbank. Don't drive drunk. It's it's common sense, people. Yeah, come on. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I don't really have much more to say. Is it somewhere you just shake your head and I don't know? There has to be something more to the story. Tanner Hoops and Jake Duran. I'm I'm thinking it was called Jack Daniels or something. That That's what I think. It is. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, free agency frenzy around the league this week, and we take a look at some of the moves in the NFL. Uh, Cleveland. Are they not only the AFC North favorites right now, but are they AFC overall favorites right now? I mean, obviously it's New England's conference to win until somebody takes them off the pedestal, but I haven't ever felt this kind of optimism for the Cleveland Browns. Me neither. Um, You know, my personal opinion, I don't even know if they're the favorites in their own conference. Really? I don't think so, man. I know they have a lot going on, um, a lot of moving pieces that still need to form together. Um, they don't really know how to win in Cleveland just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be something that they need to learn. I do still think Pittsburgh, with everything that's been going on around, is the favorite to win. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be easy, and I don't think it's going to the Browns. In I think the Browns are a close second. I don't think there's going to be a, a huge difference. But I really like James Conner as a running back. Um, I really like their organization and how they draft. They've been able to hit on a lot of a lot of players, a lot of players that I've wanted Green Bay to draft. They yeah. they, they pick up. Um, I think Ben Roethlisberger has something to prove. Mike Tomlin has something to prove. I think they got the distractions out of the way. Um, I think they're going to revamp a little bit. I'm I'm a huge fan of Juju. Um, obviously, they need to find a second receiver that can take the pressure off him a little bit. Um, you know, they got they got some holes to fill, but I just think that organization's just just historically a better organization. I think they're going to figure it out. And I still think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win the division. I, I really do. Um, I think Baltimore has lost a little bit too much and, and Cincinnati's there in the basement, but um, I think they're definitely going to be close to closing the gap. And if it doesn't happen for the Browns this year, the year, the next year, I think it, it might be their time once, once they kind of learn how to win a little bit and, and get those pieces to fit. I tell you what, I agree with you on Pittsburgh. I don't know that I'm ready to say that, they're going to be better than the Browns. I think those two are going to fight it out, be mm-hmm. the top two teams in the division. 
Uh, I guess I can't pick a favorite between them yet. There's still a lot that can change until then anyway. Ben Roethlisberger still has it. He doesn't look like he's in shape, but everyone would tell you that he is. And he's, what, 37, 38? He's late 30s, coming toward the end of his career. But he's still got it, and he's one of the most accurate passers in the league. He was the passing champion last year. And you mentioned finding another wide receiver, and I almost wondered if they're going to draft that way. But... I kind of wonder if they did find a number two receiver because they signed Dante Moncrief, a guy who used to play with Indianapolis and Jacksonville. He's not going to be Antonio Brown, but he's a veteran receiver, and he's been playing with some lackluster quarterbacks over the last few years. He didn't have Andrew Luck when he was in Indy. He had Brissett and guys who were filling in for him, and then he had Blake Bortles last year. Now he's got Ben Roethlisberger, and he's a guy that really flies under everybody's radar, maybe because of the quarterbacks that have been throwing to him. So I like the pickup of Moncrief. I, you know, No one's going to replace Antonio Brown, but he can take the pressure off Juju Smith-Schuster, and if they can find a third wideout to really supplement that core group, absolutely Pittsburgh could be good next year. Right, right, and it's similar to, to when we talked about OBJ. I think a lot of people are kind of blinded by the fact that you know it's, it's Antonio Brown. He's been productive, and you're right. You're not going to find someone who's going to – to produce like that and if you do i mean that's crazy um good for you but um you know with ben roethlisberger with a with a hall of fame quarterback like ben roethlisberger you know he can make a lot of players look good and he's going to be motivated man because antonio brown was you know kind of made it seem like it was all ben roethlisberger's fault it might have been i don't really know the dynamic there but um i think ben roethlisberger is going to be as motivated as ever to prove prove antonio brown wrong specifically um, and and everyone else who kind of thought you know Ben was kind of destroying the team. I think he's going to be motivated. And you know Moncrief, he was he was a productive guy. He's a, he's a he's kind of a big play guy. You yeah. know he, he he reminds me of a little bit like a T Y Hilton, mm-hmm. but um, you know it really can hit the home run and, and is, is a speedy guy. Um, that is a good pickup, and I do think they're probably going to have to address it in the draft a little bit. We might see AJ Brown go go to Pittsburgh and other Brown to fill in. Mm-hmm. He, you know he should he should probably get drafted there and then wear number eighty four and just and just you know pave the way but save jersey sales right there you go um so yeah i mean you know like i said man they're an organization who knows how to draft you know they they stole juju smith schuster last uh was it last season I, I get him. yeah last season mm-hmm. um and yeah man I, I i do think pittsburgh they're they're right there man they did lose Le'Veon bell but james connor filled in i had him on fantasy he was giving me 30 plus points you know numerous weeks um, good guy out of Pittsburgh, you know, and uh, yeah, man, I, I don't think they're that far off. You know, they did lose a lot of talent. They lost a lot of big names, but um, I think they, they, I think James Conner is a nice replacement, you know, get, get some depth in the backfield. Like I said, Juju Smith is a number one. So, you, you know, not often do you lose a guy like Antonio Brown and have someone who can fill in and be productive. It's going to be interesting, interesting to see when he's getting double teamed, what he can do. But he's one of Juju Smith Schuster is one of my favorite players in the NFL right now. So, Absolutely, yeah. And he's younger than both of us. Oh, for sure. He, oh, he's way. I'm an I'm an old man compared to Juju. I don't like to think about that, man. I don't like to think about that. I would be considered like past my prime almost. Like I would be entering my final contract. You know, that's the type of age I'm at. You know, people would be questioning if I still have it. Let's just keep it right there. Well, I tell you what, the Ravens have been kind of sliced and diced throughout free agency this week. They lost their leader in sacks, tackles, defensive snaps, and batted passes, plus their Super Bowl winning quarterback all in the last Mm. week or so. But they did go out and sign Earl Thomas, and they bring in Mark Ingram as their running back. So maybe we shouldn't be too quick to right off the Ravens. Yet I just don't feel confident them, and they're still, especially with the division that they're in, they're still a couple of moves away. 
Right. Yeah, they did. I mean, they lost a lot on the defensive side of the ball, but they're an organization, um, you know, who who knows how to draft defense. Obviously, with John Harbaugh there, um, I like Lamar Jackson. I think he's the new guy. Obviously, I think they uh, he's going to be a good, solid quarterback. So you got that. Um, you know, bringing in Earl Thomas, and Mark Ingram, two good pickups. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I, I do think, yeah, they did lose a lot, but you know they they shed a lot of cap space, and sometimes you got to cut ties with some players. It's, it's sad to say because you're not going to be able to pay everybody. Um, but you know I do like what they got. They need to get a receiver in there. Man. Mm-hmm. They need to get a. They they're one of those organizations like Kansas City is is one of the Tyree Hill now they got, but for for the longest time Kansas City could not get a receiver. You know, Baltimore, they cannot keep receivers. I, I just don't get it. Name the biggest name receiver outside of Steve Smith Baltimore's had in the last 20 years. I don't think anyone could do it. Oh, Terrell man. Pryor, your, is that Terrell your biggest Pryor, name? Uh, dude who came out from Arizona, blanking on his name. How about Todd Heap? He's a tight end. Todd Heap, Todd Heap was I don't know if that solid counts. but Yeah, Todd Heap was solid for him. Um, yeah, man, they they gotta get somebody. You know, they they bring in vets, yeah, but they don't they don't retain them for some reason. Uh, I tell you what, as a guy who follows the Packers like you do, how upset are you with the front office that they didn't get Le'Veon, Antonio Brown, or Earl Thomas? They did do some nice things here in the nice last things. week, but right. missed on all three of those guys that they potentially had shots to right. get. Yeah, you know, I'm a huge, I'm I'm a diehard Packer fan. You know, that's my squad. Um, and I was I was one of those those fans, man. I wanted to, to see them make that big splash. You know, I wanted him to pair him up with pair Aaron Rodgers up with with Antonio Brown with a with a Le'Veon Bell, et cetera, um, and things like that. And you know, I was I was a little I was a little upset. I was a little frustrated after you know day one Monday um, when free agency unofficially began because I wanted to see one of those bigger names uh, go to Green Bay. But um, all signs pointed to the organization saying they weren't going to do anything big in, in the first wave to, to wait on it. Then I woke up the next day and, and, you know, they addressed some needs. You know, they got they got two edge rushers and Preston Smith is a Darius Smith, um, guys who had really, you know, career years. It's It's kind of kind of you know questionable because prior to those years last year both of those players weren't as productive so you kind of hope they can mirror what they did last year and i think they will um you know you got a nice uh offensive lineman there been billy turner to, to kind of help that offensive line and protect aaron Rodgers and adrian amos from uh chicago you know he's not a flashy name um or anything like that but i think what what a lot of these guys have in common is they're durable. They don't got a lot of injury history, and they're right in their mid twenties. You know, you can keep them for for several years, mm-hmm. and they're just now entering their primes. So Adrian Amos, I think if you think look at like you know um, numbers, um, when you talk about you know analytics and things like that, I think he's number three in all out of all of safeties when you talk about busted coverages and things like that. He's just a solid guy. Doesn't nor he doesn't have the interception numbers, but he doesn't blow coverages. You know, he doesn't blow his assignments. I think he was number three behind like Earl Thomas and, and some other guy. I don't remember. But um I think that's gonna be a really solid pickup. I think that was a, a steal of a of a pick. And and I do think Green Bay still need to draft another safety. I think they needed two safeties, so I still think they need to find a, a free safety. You 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 were kinda hoping it would have been Earl Thomas, but I think they kinda they kinda spent all their money. But I I do like the pickups. Not the flashiest names, I know. You know, Green Bay wants to see some big names, but these are solid guys that are going to fill holes, and they're the vets you need to pair with these young guys that are quote unquote still developing. So I'm happy to see Green Bay, you know, actually make some moves and fill some holes with some vets who who are going to come in and contribute. These are all starters. These are all starters. A couple of running backs have been in the news here over the last 24 hours or so. 
Tevin Coleman is out of Atlanta. He's heading to San Francisco. He'll be in the backfield along with Jarek McKinnon. I like that pickup for San Francisco. They got him for a two-year deal, and they got him for cheap. They have to pay him less than $10 million to do it. He's a running back that may not be a number one option. Maybe he could if he stays healthy, but he's still got a lot left in the tank he can contribute. And you kind of have two guys that probably are best served as number two running backs with McKinnon and Coleman, but you're going to try and pair them together and see if you can get a one out of them. Right, and and they're two different type of runners. McKinnon, you know, he can catch out of the backfield. Coleman, I I remember watching Green Bay play him, and he just shredded him, you know what I mean? Um He's just a, a, a mean runner, strong guy, um, you know, can can definitely just run between the tackles. And, and yeah, I mean, they're going to they, they need to take pressure off of Jimmy Garoppolo because, you know, he, he's coming off an injury um, and things like that. Um, so I, I do think that's a that's a really good pick. I really like what what the Niners did. You know, they're similar to Green Bay. A lot of their fans wanted them to make that big signing. Um, they did get Quan Alexander. That was a pretty big signing. But but they're not putting all their eggs in one basket. They're really they're really filling holes that they need to fill with with just solid players that that you can trust to get it done. And I and I think that's the way you want to go. Um, because when it comes down to it, you need to have a, a good solid team, not just you know star you know two a star on one side, a star on the other side. You know getting paid big bucks you need to really be careful with how you spend it's not madden people you know on madden i like to make these crazy teams and it's really easy but when you're talking about real people with real money it's a little bit different tell you what everyone says that the lions are becoming the detroit patriots they're bringing in all these former patriots pairing them up with patricia how about the redskins why couldn't they be the washington dc vikings because they've got case keenum now and they just signed adrian peterson to another two-year sub ten million dollar deal, so right. I don't know if he's still got some left in the tank, but we're gonna find out. Now you got the Washington Vikings, you got mm-hmm. the Detroit Patriots out here. Both have um, nice rings. They do, they do. Um, first of all, I want to say, darn you, Washington! You destroyed the safety market signing Landon <laughs> Collins right off the jump to that ridiculous deal that you signed. You you potentially stopped Green Bay from signing an Earl Thomas or Earl Thomas going to Dallas. You just destroyed everything. You ruined everything. They're going to they're going the they're going re- to regret it, man. They they do this. The Washington Redskins they overpay people. Um, they might get get Landon Collins for a couple years, but you're not going to get the return with how much you paid him. I don't care. I don't care if he's an All Pro for two years. You know you redic- that was just overpaying. Dan Snyder. Uh, it was bad. It was bad. Um, he's going to be nice for him for a couple years though. Um, but with your landing Collins, you're obviously not going to win. You're not, you know, they might come in second in that division, but you still got the Eagles. The Cowboys are are right there. Um, they don't have a quarterback, man. You got Case Keenum, good for you. But we know what Case Keenum is. AP, um, you know, he is uh, an older guy. Obviously, you know, a Hall of Fame running back, but he's old. So like, okay, yeah, you got him back. That's cool. That's nice. But when it comes down to it, are these guys really going to help you move and be? Are you going to be a playoff team? I don't think so. I just don't think so. Jake Durant from Local 3 TV, the CBS affiliate Marquette, is with us. We owe you our last time out. When we come back, it's championship week, and March Madness is right around the corner. We break it down next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you as we wind you down to the 5 o'clock hour on this Thursday afternoon. I tell you what, it's championship week. March Madness will know the championship bracket in less than a week. And by the way, 
We're going to have a very special episode of the Sports Pen coming up on Monday. We'll be doing the show from Super One Foods here in Marquette. It's going to be at its usual time from 4 to 5, but I'll be hosting a panel of local media members and basketball experts, including Mr. Jake Durant. We're going to break down the bracket. That's a special episode of the Sports Pen live from Super One Foods in Marquette on Monday from 4 to 5. So be sure to tune in. Members of the media and our basketball panel breaking the bracket down for you. If you really want to get a jump start on your bracket and get the right picks, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna have a perfect bracket, man. You know, come listen, listen to what I got to say. I, I, I got the picks for you. You know, get a jump start. You want to win your leagues? You want to win your brackets? Come listen to the show. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good. Office pools. Listen to Jake. Nobody else. You're gonna get this thing right. I wonder if I could win a bracket pool here. If- you know, looking around the rest of the staff. Mm-hmm. I think Tom Mogish across the hall might put up a pretty good fight, but your office probably has one, don't yeah, they? Yeah, uh, we do one every year, and, and last year I, I came in second place, mm-hmm. I think. So I was right there. Um, you know, I, I started off, you know, the first round didn't go as, as planned as much as I'd like, but later on I was getting those, you know, I was getting teams advancing. And I ended up, you know, coming in second. Um, one of our salespeople, who I don't, I don't think, she, you know, she knows a lot about sports, but mm. she's really good at like, I don't, I don't, I just don't know what it is. Fantasy football, she's really good. Mm. Um, these brackets, she's really good at. So maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe she's gonna help on the side, but or maybe she's just a, a guru, and maybe she should, she should run sports. But she's really good. Um, shout out to um, our sports person. I'm not gonna say any names because, you know, whatever. But she's really good, man. Well, I tell you what, we are going to get a look at the bracket come Sunday night when it's revealed we are in the midst of championship week. It's a lot of fun to be able to watch these conference titles. Now I've kind of clocked out. Notre Dame got thumped last night against Louisville. Their season comes to an end in the uh, second round of the ACC tournament. Big Ten tournament continues on today, and I really like a lot of these matchups. I know you're a Michigan guy, but I've been really impressed with Sparty this year. All the injuries they've had to overcome, they still win the Big Ten and they clinch that top seed in the tournament. They're going to get Ward back and they're going to be even stronger. I don't know that they deserve a one seed, but if you're going to say Duke does because of what they could have been, got to have the same argument for Michigan State because the body of work has to factor in at some Mm -hmm. point. Right. Um, Yeah, shout out to Michigan State. Um, you know, I I can't really complain, man. They they deserve the accolades they've been getting. Like you said, they've they've dealt with so much, but been able to overcome. Obviously, they've they've beaten my Michigan Wolverines um, this season, so I can't really say a lot. Um, you know, I I have to agree with you, man. Duke, obviously, coming into the year, they looked every bit of, of the part of you know a dominant team, and then obviously they've dealt with some injuries as well. Um, I think Duke will get the number one seed just because of of the star power that they have, you know, and things like that, and and just the the history that they've been having. Zion's going to be back. I, that that's like my biggest. Wa- I want to just watch what this Duke team can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see what Zion can do. I want to see what these guys. You know, they have a lot of NBA prospects, so that's definitely something. Um, but but I agree. You know, Michigan State's right there. They're going to be strong as ever. Mr. March, Tom Izzo, has his team playing really well again. Um, and, and this is just one of those programs, man. They just got it going. And, you know, every single year they're going to have players come in. Player, you know, they're one of those programs where players want to go play for. And, and um, it's going to be interesting to see. I still, have, I still have hope for my Michigan Wolverines. Don't, don't, don't count them out. I know they've lost some of the bigger games they should have won. But they still have a lot of talent. 
The ACC, like you mentioned, very well could have three of the number one overall seeds between Carolina, Virginia, and Duke. Still a lot to be decided. Those three haven't even started their conference tournament runs yet. But sticking with the Big Ten, I'm hoping for another Michigan-Michigan State Conference Championship. If not, Wisconsin can sneak their way in there. But I do think Michigan is a better team than Purdue. Purdue's hotter right now, which sometimes helps more Mm -hmm. than being better. But I do think Michigan is better than Purdue is. And I'd like to see those two meet up in the conference championship again. If you would have asked me in mid-January, I would have told you that Michigan is the best team in the country. I really right. thought they were. They they almost they should have had a number one. They should have been a number one seed mm-hmm. for a few of those those weeks when Duke wasn't performing as well. Absolutely. You know they they were winning games. You, you know they were right there. And you know I was like I didn't want to get my hopes up, but I was really feeling good about it. But you know obviously they cooled down in the second half of the season. But John Beeline. You know, Michigan is one of those teams that, that get gets hot in March, and they're able to win these games, and, and I expect them to do it again. I really do. Well, I tell you what, Iron Mountain is playing in the boys' state semifinals in East Lansing today. They're at the Breslin Center. And if anyone's ever watched a guy like Marcus Johnson, super talented. I've never met the kid. I have no idea what he's like. But plenty of people will tell you that he rubs them the wrong way with his style of play, and he embraces that. He says that he likes being the villain. That's kind of the feeling I get from Brasdakis. I feel like he's the kind of guy you can love if you're a Michigan fan. If you have to play him, he's the kid you just hate, even though you've never met him. Right, and I say this all the time. Those are the type of players I want on my team. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, a guy that's not afraid to 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 you know sh- he won't shy away from the moments, won't shy away from the criticism. Um, you know. Entering the year, we didn't really know who this kid was, really. Um, or how to say his name. Right, exactly. <laughs> and and he came in, and he's one of the big reasons why Michigan's still right up there in, in the in the conversation of possible, you know, playing for a national championship. Um, but yeah, talk about Marcus Johnson. You know, I've been able to talk to him a, a lot. Really nice kid off the court. Very not very loud, not very quiet, but he knows how to flip the switch when you talk about going on the basketball court. And and you know he's 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 really good. So he mm-hmm. he's allowed to play like that. And you want those guys. You want those guys. Those are the type of guys that get everyone else going. They get they bring that confidence to the team. And I think Brodzinkis. Did I say it right, Brodzinkis? Brodzinkis. Brodzinkis um, does that for Michigan. Um, he's he's one of the guys. If he gets going and he's he's out there clapping, he's out there in guys' faces. You know that kind of brings a, a, an edge that you want. And um, you know he's one of those guys. I think he's going to be be big this this uh, this run in in March. I'm hoping for this run in March. You know I think he's going to be one of those guys that that's getting talked about. Um, I think he's going to have a big a big month. And I tell you what, just to reiterate, I don't have anything against Marcus Johnson. I only brought up what a um, lot of people have perceived about him i know nothing about him i've never met him i'm not going on air trying to criticize a high school Uh, oh no 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 just want to reiterate yeah right right you know he's a he's a he's a good kid you know obviously the the coach's son um bucky's a a, a great coach and and you know those get those kids in iron mountain man they they can play um obviously they're down at the breslin right now um so shout out to iron mountain yeah marcus johnson great kid i love the way he plays man i want to see more of that i want kids to to be that confident you know, you want you want kids to be like that, and, and he has every right to be like that. And uh, you know, you, you can't you can't hate on the kid. He's a, he's one of the best players in the UP. Well, I tell you what, high school teams starting to be eliminated one by one, picked off. The UP is down to about five or six. Yeah, something I think, like I, I that. think it's five. Five it teams might left. be. 
And the Westwood girls are one of them. Had the chance to go cover them last night in Sault Ste. Marie. We'll end the day with a little high school hoops. But I tell you what, that team is a lot of fun to watch. And how they've evolved since the beginning of the year. They came in, you knew they'd be good. No seniors on the roster. And even some of the parents last night after the game were talking to me. We knew they'd be good. We didn't know they'd be this good. And I'm, I, I can't help but agree. Right, and it, I talked to Kurt uh, just the other day. Um, you know, we had a conversation over the phone, and he was talking about he remembers. Uh, you know, they were on a bus, um, and I, I don't remember wh- after what game it was, but you know, all the girls were, came up to him and, and were asking him, "Hey, do you think we're good?" You know, they didn't really even know how good they they really were. You know, mm-hmm. they were still trying to figure out that identity. These are these are young players, man. It's scary. They they're gonna all be back next season. Yeah. I mean that is that is really scary. I don't see them losing a game at all next season. Um, you know, but but just the way these these girls have grown, uh, they don't have a, a large roster. You know, they don't have a lot of players on their team, but everyone contributes. Um, and and they're getting they're getting play good play from from freshmen. You know what I mean? And and I'll say it and I'll say it on air. And and I've you know something that I've I've noticed they have the best you know. Um, developmental programs there in Westwood you know they're bringing these girls up at a young age you these girls are going into elementary classrooms and speaking to these young kids you know inspiring young girls to want to come up and play basketball and and you know gr- girls are looking up and, and, and wanting to play for for Westwood and, and it's refreshing to see man because you know um, you know that's the type of thing you need you need uh, players you know current players to support the younger generations and you need to have uh, the the dedication to, to, to teach the right way at a young age and I think Westwood has has the best programs, and that's why you're seeing you know the Natalie Profits come in and be able to play right away. Um, the Jillian Koski's coming in and playing significant minutes at, at a young age, and 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 not shying away from the big moments. They're coming in and making a difference, and I and I just do think it's the preparation that they have prior to coming in on the high school level. So I mean, Westwood is is a good is a good squad, and they got they got a good good future ahead of them for sure. Well, I tell you what, you mentioned the freshmen, and three of them played last night. Three of them. Uh, have played this season, all of them in the game last night. And it's weird to think in a game that they won by 20-plus that there's one specific shot that stands out. But the biggest shot in that game came from a freshman. When Charlevoix got within five midway through the third quarter, Mallory Lees came off the bench. First shot was a triple that ignited a 15-0 run. And you're right, it's a culture thing at Westwood. And that's why they're having the success they are. And you know, if things go according to plan, then I won't be back in the office until Sunday starting next week because we'll be downstate and hopefully uh, we can, you know, bring home some hardware. Right. And, and uh, you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be surprising at all if these girls got down there. The best team that I've seen overall, um, when you talk about depth, when you talk about being led by that backcourt and Tessa, uh, Lise and, and Maddie Kosky, you know, these girls have been through the fire. Um, I don't think the moment's going to get big for them. They got good coaching in Kirk Corcoran. You know, I think they have have what it takes. So I, I, I don't I don't know. I don't expect you to be back. I don't expect you to be back. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping it's a little extended paid yeah, vacation. Right, we'll put exactly. it that way. Jake Durant from Local Three in the studio with us. That's it for us in the sports pen. Appreciate you as always. And if we don't have a show to do together Thursday, I'll see you Monday for the selection show. Sounds good. I'm gonna have to do my my homework. Uh, but I think it's gonna it's gonna be fun. March Madness is here. Not a better time in the year. That's it for us once again. Thanks for tuning in on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.